Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Well, hey, I want to invite you to turn uh, in your Bible, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. And it is good to be back with you. It's been several weeks since I've been in this service and so thankful to be back here with you. Good to see you. And uh, often it is said uh, of a mom that she would carry a child uh, for nine months uh, in the womb. And, And while that is absolutely true, the reality is a mom carries a child for much more than nine months, doesn't she? I mean, even right out of the womb, she begins to carry that child everywhere she goes in that, uh, in that, uh, that car seat, which I think you would agree that uh, it could serve as an anchor for a cruise ship, right? Those things just get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier, right? Uh, but then that mama, she's going to carry that child to, uh, they're going to carry them to a doctor's appointment, right? For a well check or when they're sick, they're going to carry that child to the dentist for teeth cleaned or for uh, a filling. They're going to carry them to school. They're going to carry them to extracurricular activities. They're going to carry them to their first dance and maybe their first date. They're going to carry them at some point. They're going to carry them off to school. Then they're going to carry them maybe to their first place that they're going to reside in an apartment or a house. And honestly, it doesn't stop there. They're going to carry that child really for the rest of their life. And uh, for some of you that maybe you're an adult now, you recognize your mom carries you and you call them and say, hey, how do I deal with this situation? Hey, what should I do with this decision, right? And what you find is that mama is still carrying you. Recognize the day that for some of us, today could be a hard day for you because this is the first Mother's Day you've experienced where you haven't been able to make that call or to send that text message. And our heart grieves with you today as you walk through the sorrow of uh, this day being a hard day. But we can honor and recognize that moms play a significant role in our life to carry us, not just in our physical development from Uh, from uh, the moment of birth until they become a young adult, but how they carry us through life. And the reality is that is so critical for us because what we recognize is we can't do life on our own, can we? It, It does take not just great moms, but it takes people in our life to help carry us. And today in Luke chapter five, we're gonna dive into a passage where this idea of carrying plays a significant role. It plays a significant role, not just for the life of a man who couldn't get to Jesus on his own, but it's going to remind us of the significance of when others carry us in our time of need. Today, we're going to center in on this idea of biblical community. If you've been with us, you know we've been in this series called Pursue. That's our word for the year as a church. We're talking about taking our next step in our faith journey and helping others do the same, to take theirs. And we've tried to help in this idea of not just saying, hey, we need to run faster, we need to run farther after Jesus, but to give us some handles on how do we do that. What does that look like for you? And so uh, as a church, we have what we call our marks of a maturing believer, that these are evidences in our life. They're check marks, if you will, not check marks, but maybe developmental marks in our life that we can look and evaluate our lives spiritually and say, hey, how am, I, how am I doing in these areas? So if you've been with us, you know we've talked about pursuing devotion in our, uh, our daily time with the Lord. We've talked about generosity. We've talked about worship. And today we come to this idea of biblical community, of finding ourselves in biblical community. 
This week, as I was talking with some of our team about this idea, Mark Cole, our global student pastor, he made this comment. He said, you know, there's a, excuse me, a distinction uh, between uh, worldly community and biblical community. It's not that worldly community is bad. We want to have meaningful relationships in our life. But, but Mark said, and I agree with him, he said, oftentimes, biblical, I mean, sorry, worldly community is about people in my life that just want to help me be the best version of me or to help me be who I want to be. But biblical community, biblical community is, is contrasted with that. And the biblical community are people around me that are pursuing Jesus themselves And their desire in my life is not that I would be who I want to be, but that who God would want me to be. And we believe that that is a critical nature for us in pursuing Jesus and taking our next steps of faith. And so today, I want to encourage us with uh, with a somewhat familiar passage, maybe for some of us a very familiar passage, and to look at it from maybe a fresh perspective to see the significance of what it looks like when we have people in our life that are carrying us in our time of need, but at the same time, the responsibility that each of us have to help carry others in their time of need. So I want to invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin in verse 17, and we will read down through verse 26. It says, on one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. And seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who began to think for themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe. And said, we have seen incredible things today. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you this time today. We're entrusting ourselves to the authority of your word. We're entrusting ourselves, Spirit of God, to your work in our hearts. And God, would you use this time to point us in the direction of who you want us to be, not just who we want to be. I pray, God, you'd give us a greater understanding and appreciation for biblical community in our life and for us today to be committed to living life in that manner. So God, would you use your word today and all God's people said, Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Today, as we work through Luke chapter 5, I believe we're going to see the pursuit of Jesus is expressed in faithful biblical community. Pursuit of Jesus is expressed in faithful biblical community. Now, as we dive into this passage again, I told you I'm going to give you several observations here from this passage and maybe a fresh look, but I want us to understand, it's important to understand the context of the main thrust of why Luke is going to include this in his gospel, all right? In fact, Luke is going to to take this story actually from Mark's account. We believe that Mark actually was the first to write the gospel account, and it served as a source for Luke and for Matthew. And in Luke, He's writing this down to record for us the true picture of who Jesus is and his true identity. So we see this moment where this paralyzed man comes. 
And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Now, when Jesus says that, the way in which it is that Jesus says it, it's not an observation that Jesus makes, but it is him making the statement as one, as it says here, with the authority that Jesus forgives this man's sins. And how does it go over with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Not good, does it? Right? It tells us that they became, in a sense, incensed, right? They became upset. Right? They're asking these questions in their heart about who is this man who thinks that he can forgive sins? Who is this man that blasphemes God? And when they say that, what they understand is that for Jesus to say that he has the authority to forgive sin puts himself on par with God. And they didn't like that. And so Jesus, in his desire to give clarity to the fact not only that he can forgive sins, but that he is co-equal with the Father, he asked the question, what is it easier to say? That your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? What he recognized in that moment is that there's times in our life where we can express something that can, be hard, that can be hard to be proved true because it's something that's maybe internal. But there are other things that are external that may give a stronger evidence. And so he says to, him, to the man, get up and walk. And in doing so, the external evidence of him having authority over creation and over this man's uh, disease, it allowed the, those that were there that day to know that if he can do that, then he must have this authority to forgive sin. And in the context of of this account in Luke chapter 5, I don't want you to miss today or to be reminded today, I want you to be reminded today of how this moment unfolds. This is another moment that we see in the Gospels in Jesus' public ministry where he is going to heal somebody. And, and what's unique about this one is how this healing comes about. Oftentimes we see that Jesus is walking along the way, sees someone and heals them, or maybe at times like the woman who reaches out and touches the hem of his garment, right? But the uniqueness of this is how the story unfolds. And the reason that I think that Luke and Mark give us this full account of how it unfolds is because it plays into the faith, the internal faith that was demonstrated. And it gives us a glimpse of what this biblical community can look like. I want to show you just two brief observations here in Luke chapter 5 about why biblical community is so critical in the life of someone pursuing Jesus. First one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Biblical community promotes faith demonstrated by actions. Biblical community, it promotes faith demonstrated by actions. Again, the uniqueness of this account is the journey to Jesus. Again, we don't know how it all unfolds, but what we find is that there are four men who together are making their way to Jesus, carrying, that's an important word for us today, carrying uh, this man to not only for his physical life to be changed, but as we see his afterlife to be drastically changed, right? That his sins would be forgiven. And we don't know how it unfolded, if it began with one of the guys and just a moment of compassion and willingness for a friend who said, you know what, I feel like if we get this man to Jesus, his life could be turned around, and so I'm going to go find three people to join me in this journey. Maybe it was two of them in a conversation said, you know what, we can really help our friend out. Maybe it was three of them, maybe all four with a heart of compassion and a desire to see significant change in their friend's life. Whatever, however it came about, the reality is... It was in the community of these four men that their faith was demonstrated in action. Look at me in verse 20. There's no question that that is a key component to what's unfolding here, right? In verse 20, seeing their faith, he said, friend, 
your sins are forgiven. Now, a point of clarity here, uh, the, the paralytic sins are not forgiven because of, solely because of the faith of these four men, right? We recognize that, that our salvation, our forgiveness of sin, it is a personal decision between us and the Lord, right? I can't be saved because of the faith of someone else, right? As much as we love our mamas and they would do anything for us, their faith can't save us, right? But what Jesus is observing here is that there is faith being played uh, by, by everyone that's included here, by the four men that are bringing them, but also by the paralytic. What Jesus sees here is faith in action, faith that thought it was possible, faith that at some point was willing to go find a stretcher, faith that was willing to lift that stretcher off the ground and to feel the weight of what was before them. Faith that began that journey and the unsureness of what they would find when they get there. Faith that when they saw the crowds didn't turn around and say, man, we should have got here earlier. Faith that was willing to take this man to the rooftops higher than he had probably ever been in his life. Faith that was willing to cause an an incredible distraction to Jesus as as he was teaching there with the crowds tuning in. Faith to lower him down and to put him right there at the feet of Jesus. Faith to believe Jesus for healing. Step by step, decision by decision, in the community of these four men, it was faith demonstrated in action. And it was a faith that was shared. Dr. Paul David Tripp, a quote that he, uh, that he shares or that he has said that I have shared with you several times and I will continue to share because it is helpful for us to understand who we are and what it looks like for us to pursue the Lord. But he says this, he says, no one in your life has more influence on you than you. And the reason that that is true is because you talk to yourself more than anyone else talks to you. Is that true for you? I know it is for me. Some of you are like, Michael, you're crazy. Maybe I am. But we all talk to ourselves, don't we? All day, every day. And can I tell you what I've, been, what I've found to be true oftentimes in my faith journey? I'm really good at being able to talk myself out of exhibiting faith. For that thing in my life that I've been praying for over a long period of time, I can be real good to convince myself, you know what, obviously this just isn't going to turn out the way I want it to. I'm just done praying. Or for that person that I've longed to see come to faith in Christ, that I've been intentional not just to pray for them, but to serve them and to have conversations with them, that that it can be easy for me to convince myself of, you know what, it just seems like this is going nowhere. And time and time again, how often it can be easy for us to influence ourselves to stop expressing faith. But the gift of biblical community is that when I place myself around meaningful people who are pursuing the Lord as well, it spurs me on to keep walking by faith. That when I share that prayer request with my life group, that two weeks later when I come back to life group and they say, how's that situation going? Hey, how has that turned out? And even though there may not be a result that has come about, it's the conversation that is happening of them stirring me on to keep praying and keep believing and keep walking by faith. It's an understanding for us that the Christian life was never meant to be walked alone. For the person who says, I don't need the church, I can do this faith journey on my own, not only would I say biblically they're wrong, I would say they're missing out on an incredible opportunity to run faster and to run further and to run with more joy in their faith journey than if they tried to do it themselves. A picture of how this Biblical community promotes faith demonstrated in action, I believe, is in Exodus chapter 17. Many of you, maybe some of you, may remember this story. 
As we see here that the Israelites have been delivered out of Egypt, and now there is this moment where they are taking on the Amalekites. And it says that Joshua was doing just as Moses had told them, and he is fighting against the Amalekites. But Moses is not there on the front lines. Moses is back from the front lines. And it tells us something unique that was happening in this moment, that as Moses would raise his hands, that Joshua and the Israelites would prevail in battle. But when Moses' arms would come down, that the Amalekites would begin to prevail in battle. And so the issue here is not just the community of Joshua and Moses, although that relationship was very important, is that there were two other men who saw what was going down and recognized the significance of Moses having his arms in the air. Two men named Aaron and Hur who said, you know what, first of all, we need to get this man a seat. Aren't you thankful for those people in your life, right? A recognition, you just need to sit down sometimes. And what we find here is not that they go and find him a lawn chair or find him a stool to sit on, but it says they find a large stone and he sits And not only do they just leave it there, but it says that they take his arms and they are holding his arms up in the air. And eventually we see that Joshua would have the victory over the Amalekites, that Joshua and the Israelites would prevail. Why? Because of four men. Four men who, in a sense, were carrying each other. Faith demonstrated in action. That's what biblical community does. Second thing I want you to see from this text is that biblical community pursues the good for people and the glory for God. It pursues the good for people and the glory for God. The beauty of this moment is that when I position myself with others who have the same desire that I do, it pursues, it pursues this good for others. And that's what we find here is that these four men who are carrying this paralytic on the mat, that these, this group of believers, they, they lovingly and compassionately give of themselves for their friend. And as a result, God receives the glory. Here at First West, one of the ways that we try to facilitate this biblical community in your life so that you wouldn't miss out on the gift of, of, of having people in your life that are there to help you become who God wants you to be. It's through life groups. We believe that life groups are a key component of that. And in fact, that's why we say oftentimes that, that life groups are the heartbeat of our church. It's the heartbeat. While I'm grateful for your presence here today, and while this worship gathering is so important and biblical, and we're going to do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, just as Scripture calls us to do, uh, we recognize that, listen, this is one thing, but you don't get community in this setting, do you? I'm grateful that while I'm preaching, y'all aren't all talking to each other. That would be awkward, all right? And so while it is a gift and while it's important and it is biblical, listen, the gift of life groups and biblical community is that you're not sitting in rows, but that you're sitting in circles. I mean that figuratively, but it's the reality that there is relationship, that there is, there is meaningful relationship and bonds that are built. And, and in that, there is an overflow where it is not just about me, but it's about us and it is about the impact that we can have. It blesses me when I hear about life groups that are impacting our community through serving in soup kitchens and desired street shelter and showing up at schools to serve meals to teachers for teacher appreciation. And right, it is, it is groups of believers in biblical communities saying, hey, how are we leveraging our lives for the good of others and ultimately for the glory of God? In fact, look with me at the end of this account in verse 25. It says, immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And then everyone was astounded and they were giving glory to God and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. Because of the community of these four men and their faith that was demonstrated in action, the result ultimately was the glory of God. 
the glory of God that was given by the man who was healed, the glory of God by those that were in the house, glory of those that were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. Listen, when you walk in biblical community and meaningful Christ-centered relationships, it allows God to receive glory. And all that happens because of four men who said, we're going to carry a brother in this time of need. You know, my role as pastor, the calling that God has placed on my life as a shepherd is to help walk with people in their time of need. Not just to walk with people in their time of need, but to carry people in their time of need. But the truth is that some people may look at me as a pastor and believe that I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and that's not the case. They may believe that I've got life all figured out and that I just spend my life carrying other people. But the truth is, there's moments in my life I need people to carry me. When, when the challenges of, of family life and, 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 and the realities that come with, with leading a church and, and, and the challenges that may come in other facets of life, when those things come, there's moments in my life where I need people in my life to encourage me, Michael, keep running the race. People in my life that I need to say, Michael, hey, you need to sit down and rest a moment. The truth is for all of us, regardless of how long we've been a believer, regardless of how well we think we know the Bible, regardless of how many Bible verses we have memorized, there are moments in our life that God gives us the opportunity to carry others, and there's moments in our life that we need to be carried. If you don't believe me, I want you to see how central this is to the understanding of the church. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to find in Galatians chapter 6 that Paul is speaking. He's writing to, uh, to the New Testament church. And he's helping them understand that as the church, as a body of believers in biblical community, that your church is to be more than just the individuals you sit next to while we sing and while you hear a sermon. But these are to be Christ-centered, biblically-based relationships, recognizing that sometimes I'm carrying you and sometimes you're carrying me. It is the gift of biblical community. Look at me here in verse 1 through 5. It'll be on the screens as well. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry, there's that word, carry one another's burdens. And this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. So what we find here, again, is this instruction of Paul to the New Testament church, and it's this understanding of what it looks like for us to function inside biblical community. A litmus test, if you will, of what biblical community looks like. Let me give you three quick words here. The first one is accountability. In true biblical community, you will find accountability. That's what we find here in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone, he's not talking about someone who doesn't know Jesus, he's not talking about someone who is, who is living in open rebellion and there's never been a moment in their life they trust in Christ. This is about another brother or sister in your life, a brother or sister in Christ. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. We see the call inside biblical community, that responsibility to hold one another accountable. 
You and I, we both need people in our life that will love us enough and know us well enough that they will help me get to become who God wants me to be. Sometimes that's with an encouraging word. But sometimes in that accountability, it is a challenging word. Michael, when you said that in that meeting the other day, you said that from a place of anger and it didn't honor God. Michael, you need to go find that person and you need to apologize to them. Listen, that's not an easy thing to have someone say to you. But you know what? It is a gift when you can trust the heart of the one who's saying it. Right? It's the understanding that I need people in my life that love me and are willing and desire for me to be who God wants me to be. That when they see me living in such a way or in a relationship or, or, or uh, how I'm handling my finances or areas of my life, that it's not that they're trying to stick their nose up in my business. It's that they know that ultimately my heart is I want to be who God wants me to be. And they love me enough to even be willing to walk into some confrontation to help me get there great picture of this is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. So you remember the story of David and Bathsheba, right? David had walked in sin and, and, and we see this moment afterwards where, where Nathan comes to David and he tells this parable. And, and as David listens to this parable, he's becoming more and more angry at the injustice that is taking place. And in that place, Nathan looks at him and he says, David, you are that man. And while some would want to look at that and say, man, that was terrible that he would do that, what we recognize today is that it was a gift from a trusted friend, one that David knew that, that Nathan wanted the best for him, to be who God wanted him to be, and he was willing to have that type of hard conversation with him. But notice what Paul says here, that in this biblical community and the accountability that comes with it, it comes with a gentle spirit, right? I don't need people in my life to come and just to be a jerk for the sake of being a jerk. Do you? We have enough of that, don't we? But you see, that hard conversation with a gentle spirit, it only comes from people who truly love me and desire for me to be all that God desires me to be. The second word, not just accountability, but availability. To have people in your life that are available to you. We see there in verse 2 of chapter 6, he says, carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's a rich thing to know that someone is carrying your burden with you, isn't it? Right, for those that I mentioned earlier that, um, that maybe you lost your mother this year. Maybe it took a lot of strength for you just to, to be here today. Right, that text message or that phone call from a friend that just says, hey, thinking about you today, I love you just means the world. It doesn't take the sorrow away, doesn't take the grief away, doesn't make the day necessarily any easier, but you know you're not walking it alone. That's the gift of the body of Christ and the call for us to be available uh, to one another, people that, that you can call, people that you can text, people that you can sit and share coffee over, and you know that they'll be there when, you're, when you need them. I want to encourage us that we would be people that are living in biblical community with a heartbeat to carry one another's burdens. That we would know we don't have to walk it alone. The last one is vulnerability. A vulnerability among one another. That in the context of those relationships, that these are people that you know that you can be open and honest about the reality of what's happening in your life. 
those people that you can share with, the biggest challenges, the biggest even moments of shame in your life, and you can share with them openly, knowing that it's not something you have to feel like you're hiding from the world all the time, but that you can sit with someone that you know, you can trust their confidentiality, you can trust their guidance, you can trust their willingness to hear you. And that only comes from people who have a humble posture that love you, that are willing to respect you and love you despite whatever it is that you would share. I was incredibly blessed a couple of weeks ago, the end of our nine o'clock service in Tennyson, that we had wrapped up our service. And as we do every week, just make ourselves available for prayer or to help you in whatever decision or step you need to take coming out of our time together. And I had a young couple and they came to me and they said, Pastor, we just ask you that ask you to join us in prayer over something we're walking through in life. Now, of course, any time that I get asked to do that, it's an incredible honor that someone would entrust issues in their life to me. But they said, Michael, we, we for years have been walking through infertility and we've kind of come to a place where we feel like there's no more steps to take. And again, for those that have walked through that, you know, a Mother's Day, this is it's not an easy day for, for those that are walking through infertility or have walked through infertility. I said, man, we, we, I mean, they're through tears. They're just, we're, we're, we're at the end of our rope. We, we, we don't know what the next steps are to take, and we would just ask that you would join us in prayer. An incredible moment for them to share with me. But then what blessed my heart so much after as we were wrapping up that conversation, they said, here in the next week, we're going to share with our family, and we're going to share with our life group the journey that we've been on. And I thought, man, that is so significant, not just that they're sharing with their family, those that are closest to them biologically, but there is this group of people in their life called their life group that they feel an openness that they can walk in there and say, listen, here's the journey we've been on. And if you've walked through infertility, you know that it is much more than just an inability to become pregnant. There, are, there, is, a, there is a mental challenge, there's a mental battle that goes on with that. And they're just opening themselves to this group of people. Why? Because they know these people love us and we trust them, and we can be vulnerable. Do you have people in your life that you know that you could have that type of vulnerability with? And people that you know the foundation of biblical community is they are going to point you to what God's word says and to walk with you to, towards what God's desire may be in that situation. A great question for you to consider today. Is the loudest and most influential voices in your life are those voices coming from people that know God's word, that are committed to God's word, and are willing to help you live out God's word. That is the gift of biblical community. The truth is that as we desire to pursue Jesus and recognize the significance of not doing it alone, but to doing it with others alongside of it, alongside of us, all of that, all of that is founded on the reality of who Christ is and what Christ has done. In fact, in Luke's gospel account, it tells us that when Jesus would go to the cross, there's this short phrase in there that is significant. It says that Jesus carried his own cross. Now, if you're familiar with the history, you recognize that for the Romans, that was a normal practice, that they would, that they would take someone at the moment of, of, of them being found guilty and, and being sentenced to execution on a cross, they would place a cross. Oftentimes, it would just be the horizontal beam. Oftentimes, in our, uh, our movies, right, we picture Jesus carrying the whole cross, but it just would have been a horizontal beam, and they would literally take it to the place of their execution, of wherever they were to be executed. And so, um, 
And so we see here this moment of Jesus carrying his own cross. And yes, that is significant because it aligns with what the Romans were doing. It aligns with what what was happening in history. But what is more significant for us today is we think about this idea, not just of mamas that have carried us for nine months and carried us and car seats and carried us to doctor's appointments and carried us to school and carried us over and over. And not just the significance of meaningful Christ-centered relationships of people that carry us in our time of need and the responsibility we have to carry others in their time of need. But to understand that when Jesus carried that cross, it brings incredible significance for us because we go to Isaiah 53, verse 6, and it says what? That we all like sheep had gone astray. We each had turned to our own way, but God laid on him the iniquity of us all. The call for you and I to live in biblical community and that we would carry one another's burdens, it overflows straight out of what Christ has carried for us. And if you're here today, and there's never been that moment that you have trusted in Jesus, you've trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection, today I want to recognize that Jesus has carried for you something that you never could have carried for yourself that he took on himself the sin of the world. That includes your sin and mine. And he took it to the cross. He, he bore that burden in his death so that you might have the forgiveness of sin to be restored in a right relationship with God and to now begin this journey of becoming who God wants you to be. But it doesn't matter who you have around you. It doesn't matter what that community looks like if there's never been that moment that you've responded to what Christ has carried for you. So today, my hope for you is this, two things. Number one, today, for some of you, you need to recognize what Christ has carried for you. He's carried your sin to the cross so that you could be forgiven and to be in a right relationship with him. And my hope today is that you would respond to him by faith. Just as we read earlier, that we were dead in our trespasses, but God in his great love for you has now made us alive in Christ Jesus. Today, you would respond to God's love. But secondly, my hope for you today is that you would not miss out on the opportunity of having biblical community in your life. Knowing that this race, this pursuit of Jesus wasn't meant to be made alone and that there are people in your life that are are there to hold you accountable, to help you be who God's called you to be. There's people in your life that are available to you that can carry those burdens with you day by day. And people that you know you can be open and honest with in vulnerability. People that are gonna love you and trust you. So would you bow your heads with me today? And I want you just to consider for a moment, what does your response look like? Maybe today it is to say yes to follow him. Maybe today for you, it's a reminder as you've tried to find yourself in biblical community and it's just been an encouragement to you of, you know what? Don't forsake it. Keep pursuing it. Don't take it for granted. Or maybe today for you, it's a whisper from the Lord that, You're missing out on all that God has for you. And you recognize that you need to be more intentional about finding yourself with a group of other believers that are trying to pursue Jesus. doesn't mean they're perfect. You're not either. But finding yourself in a place with other believers that are going after the Lord and doing it together. Father, today... My hope for us is that we would be reminded, God, of the opportunity we have 
to experience this faith journey in life and to do it in the most meaningful and significant way, and that's to do it with others. Knowing that it is that biblical community that promotes faith demonstrated in our actions. And then it pursues the good for others and ultimately glory for you. But Lord, we know, and I'm convinced, Lord, that we don't just drift into this type of community in our life. But it takes intentionality on our part to position ourselves And so the Lord, that when those crisis moments come in our life, there are people who are ready to respond, to carry that burden, to carry us day by day, to carry us to you, to carry us wherever we need to go. But God, it also positions us to live out what you have called us to do, to love one another, to care for one another, to bear one another's burdens. Lord, it is in the context of these deep, meaningful, Christ-centered relationships that we can fulfill the law of Christ. And so, Lord, for any of us that Satan may have whispered in our ear that we can do this on our own, I pray, Lord, that the truth would set us free today. I thank you for the gift of this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.